Everywhere our daughters look, especially on social media, they're being told to look, dress, and act sexy. How can moms build self-worth in their daughters and teach them inherent dignity? Well, today, best-selling author and sexuality expert Shannon Etheridge is joining us to talk to moms about their daughters and how to navigate today's hypersexualized culture in a way that honors God and honors themselves too. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Carlitis, your host, and this is the Moms for America podcast, a show inspiring, encouraging, and educating moms in their journey through motherhood. Well, first of all, I'd love to ask you to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Like it, share it, tell all your mama friends about the Moms for America podcast. Also, if you have an idea for our podcast and any feedback, maybe some guest ideas, some topics, would you please email me directly at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that is podcast at momsforamerica.net. For those that are joining us for the first time, I'd like to welcome you and say um, we're so always so glad when new viewers listen or watch the, the podcast. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, we know that every week we want to gather together in our homes here and build each other up because motherhood can be a tough job. But um, our family and our children are the most, most important, precious gifts that we have. So we're here to build you up and inspire you. So today, like I mentioned earlier, we are talking about raising daughters with sexual integrity, which also means helping them develop a strong sense of values and worth for who they are as people and as children of God. Social media influencers send a message about sexuality that often does not align with our family values. And mamas, we know when we see this stuff, we are just terrified for our girls and the culture that they're growing up. So we want to build them up. So how do we influence our daughters in, an important, in this important arena? And we must be talking to them about this on a regular basis. So Moms for America, we have brought in an expert here today to help you with this subject. Shannon Etheridge has sold over a million books, including the very popular Every Woman's Battle, Discovering God's Plan for Emotional and Sexual Fulfillment. I have this book in my collection. I have started it with my daughter. It is truly a book you want to have. She is also a speaker and a leader who challenges adults and teens alike to embrace a life of sexual integrity. Shannon also helps equip parents to instill sexual values in children at an early age. So I am thrilled to have her on our, our show here today. I want to say welcome, Shannon. It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me on. I love what you guys do and just appreciate the opportunity to connect with your audience today. Awesome. Well, like I mentioned, uh, Shannon, I've heard, I've, I have a couple of your books in my library. I started one with my daughter. Um, which is obviously prompting me to say, would you please join us on the podcast and talk about this important topic? Um, would you tell us a little bit maybe about your family first? And then I kind of want to get into obviously why you feel God asked you to go on this journey with this very important topic. So tell us a little bit about your family. 
Sure. Well, my daughter actually is 30 years old now, which boggles my mind because wow. I started writing the Every Woman's Battle book when she was 10. <laughs> and then my son is 27. So moms don't blink. They will be grown before you know it. They will be. Um, yeah. And they were such a huge part of my impetus for writing any of these books because I wanted to do something very differently in my family than I experienced in my family of origin. And that is, I wanted to have open lines of communication about sexuality, about sexual integrity, about really all things sexual. I wanted to be the sexpert in my kids' lives. I wanted them to know that they, if they had questions, concerns, confusion, that they could bring that to me. And that even if I didn't know the answer, we would find it together through responsible resources. I didn't want them just searching the internet or asking their friends who really don't know anything more about sexuality than they themselves do. And Debbie, the reason that that was so important to me is because in my family of origin, there was a code of silence around mm -hmm. all things sexual. Uh, my parents never really talked to me at all. My mom handed me a book when I was about 12 or 13, and it's a darn good thing she did because within a matter of weeks, I started my, I had my first period, and at least I knew that I wasn't going to die with this blood <laughs> thing happening. Right. Um, but other than just handing me a book, there was really no conversation, but there was a constant conversation going on in our living room through the television. So right. I learned about sexuality through Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company. Uh, uh, what was that? The, the dating game. That well, you're dating Lord. yourself on this one. I am. <laughs> and I know the ones yeah, you're talking uh, about too, connection. but yeah. Yeah, the love connection. I remember staying up late to watch the love connection at you know 14, 15 years old. So so and, much. And think about my and think about what it looks like now. Television, right? Oh, so much worse than anything mm. we ever thought about watching right. as kids, right? And so I feel as if equipping parents to have those open lines of communication with their kids is the only way to combat the messages that come at them through society and especially through media. Now, your personal story, too, um, about your teenage years was difficult for you. It was a diff very mm -hmm. difficult time for you. It, it was. Um, when I was about 13, 14 years old, I had three uncles in my family who had a bet amongst themselves as to which one would get Shannon in bed first. I always thought that because I never let them go all the way that it didn't affect me. But in hindsight, it affected me in a huge way. I mean, I'm talking about sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And I can Horrible. remember being dropped off on the steps of the middle school that I attended or junior high school and feeling so slimy because I had to force my uncle to get off of me so I could go into algebra class. So when this is my experience in life, the idea of having a regular relationship with a boy my age, it, it, it propelled me into that because I wanted to feel normal. I felt so abnormal because of what was happening behind the scenes with these older uncles that I desperately wanted a boyfriend my age. And I was pretty much willing to do anything that they expected to be able to have that relationship, quote unquote. So basically from the ages of 15 until 20 years old, I had one relationship after another. Uh, sometimes it lasted two whole years. Other times it was two months or two weeks. Sex wasn't always expected, but 
I was under the impression that if they weren't trying to have sex with me, that they must not like me mm. or that I must not be pretty enough for them. And so sex was pretty much a regular part of the equation right. in my dating relationships as a teenager. And of course it was totally hush, hush. Yeah. You know, my parents had no idea because I couldn't talk to them about anything right. sexual. And in the meantime, it's just ruining your heart and your soul. Oh, absolutely. My self-esteem is just eroding uh, layer after layer. But fortunately, I did get a wake-up call when I was around 20, 21 years old, and of all places, a funeral home in Dallas, Texas. I was working on a mortuary science degree to become a mortician, and I was expecting to be embalming people in their 80s or 90s who just reached the end of their life and died of natural causes. Mm -hmm. But I was shocked at how many people I was embalming in their 20s or early 30s who either died because of complications with you know, full-blown AIDS, or they committed suicide when they got an HIV positive diagnosis, because this was back in the late eighties. This was way back before they had any drugs to help people you know, live longer with this disease. Sure. So people just assumed back then that it was a death sentence. So just working with all of these bodies that, that had these complications because of sexual lifestyle choices, it was a huge wake up call to me. I really felt like God was saying, I'll redeem your past if you'll trust me with your future. And wow. so that was when I got back involved in church um, and gave my life to God and started speaking to young people um, about how to avoid winding up on my embalming table prematurely in life and had no idea that that would take me on a, a 30 year trajectory with speaking, with writing, with coaching and counseling but I'm, I love what I do because I've, I've seen women have their self-esteem restored. I've seen them make much healthier yes. choices. I've yes. seen them create healthy, vibrant marriages where there's no guilt, no shame, no inhibition. Uh, I've seen them uh, open lines of communication with their own kids. Uh, and Amen. so decade after decade, I just, I see more and more fruit of what God started in me all those years ago. And I'm just so grateful. I love this story and I, you know, and you know that moms that are listening right now can relate to your situation. So we do pray for healing for them too and restoration. Absolutely. If I, if I had a dime for every woman who said your story is a lot like my story, maybe the characters are different. Maybe it wasn't uncles, right. maybe it was a neighbor or a teacher, uh, or, you know, maybe it wasn't mortuary college that woke them up. Maybe it was some other, you know, probably dynamic. not, but yeah, right. Right. That's my guess. But when we look at the, at the, the basis yeah. of who we are as human beings, we long for love. We and do. as women, we are often taught by society and media that the way to look for love is using your body to barter right. for attention right. and affection. And women often find themselves just feeling like a hollow shell of a person. Right. And Debbie, I have to say that, and this is for the benefit of the moms, I have to say that so many of the women who come to my four-day workshops they aren't promiscuous anymore. They, they have, you know, done a lot of soul work to try to move beyond their sexual abuse that happened in their childhood or their teenage years. Mm -hmm. But so many of them feel as if they have zero sex drive. They have no libido. They have no, they have very little interest in a sexual relationship with their husbands. And I always challenge women that sexuality is like a pendulum swing. Sometimes we swing too far to the left and we do things that we never thought that we would do or things happen to us that we never thought would happen. 
But other times in life, we swing too far to the right and we shut Mm -hmm. down tighter than a clam. We lose that love and feeling and we don't know how we lost it and we don't know how to find it again. And we're not even sure that we want to. I would venture to say that if you have sexually shut down or emotionally shut down, that is a sign that there is some still there is still some healing to do uh, in your sexuality because God designed us, in my opinion, to have a healthy, balanced middle ground between those two extremes. Where, w- w- in terms of pendulum swing and and right. clock faces, I say that we're not intended to be at nine o'clock where we're acting out like crazy, but we're not intended to be three o'clock where we're shutting down like crazy. I like a six o'clock healthy balance where we're interested in motivated sex partners, but only with our husbands, not someone else outside of marriage. And if we can raise our children to embrace that mentality of marriage is where good hot sex is to be had. And I have all the freedom in the world to enjoy (laughs) that without apology. That's the goal. Um, Because I think that a lot of a lot of moms do go a little too far to the right and give the impression that sex is dirty. Sex is bad. This is, you shouldn't have those feelings. You shouldn't have those thoughts. Well, they would have to be either superhuman not to have those thoughts or feelings or dead because as human beings, right. And there is is such a balance because I just remember growing up in the church and youth group, you know, it was like, abstinent, abstinent, abstinence, don't hold the boy's hand, don't ever do this, you know, and then it almost created don't this kiss before marriage, yeah, right, crazy. this culture of like, I'm never supposed to even think of this and even, you know, and here you, you're dealing with teenagers. So I guess this is the balance that all of us have to figure out. I had to go through that journey myself. You know, I'm looking at my, at my kids. We've got moms, you know, that are listening right now. So how do we approach this with our, our young gals? Um, and I'm not going to, I don't want to exclude the boys on this too, because a lot of us have sons. I'm right. just talking about a little bit more focus towards daughter because there's such a hypersexuality with us. I have a, a 22 year old daughter and this is a very tough culture to raise her in right. because I'm trying to let her know that she is who God made her to be. She doesn't have to compromise. She doesn't have to compete, but yet the whole world is telling her she has to compete with, you know, no clothes and, and just obscene pictures right. In, right. in a culture. So let's talk well, about that. Yeah, I think that one of the things that we have to remember as moms is that those cute little bundles of joy that we brought into the world, they are sexual beings. We are sexual beings from cradle to grave. And then there's this window that we're sexually active. And we want to certainly delay that window as long as possible for our children. And so um, the fact that we are sexual beings, we have to accept the fact that our children are going to have sexual thoughts. They're going to have sexual feelings. They may do some natural, and I would even argue to say relatively healthy sexual exploration. I think that it's normal for children to explore their own bodies and discover that when I touch myself here, it feels different than when I touch myself there. So being careful not to shame them for having sexual thoughts, sexual feelings, and sexual curiosities. Um, Even Jesus himself was tempted in every way. So we can assume that that means sexually too, which Mm -hmm. means that he had sexual thoughts and feelings. And people may say, well, but any sexual thought or feeling that you have about someone that you're not currently married to, that's a sin. But Jesus himself wasn't married. So we can't raise children with this mentality that if you even have a single sexual thought or feeling about somebody that you're not already married to, and here they're 11, 14, 16 years old, 
we're setting a standard that is ridiculously impossible for human beings to achieve. So I think that we need to change the dialogue and the dynamic. I hate the word pure. I'm going to be honest. The whole mm-hmm. purity movement that I was a part of, I was one of those mm-hmm. abstinence educators. I realized well, remember the purity that, rings too, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What we, which what had we a beautiful symbol, a beautiful symbol to it, but our, no our hearts were in the right place. Right, right. <laughs> our hearts were totally in the right place. But what we didn't understand is that if we give young people the impression that if you even have a sexual thought or feeling that that's, you know, and people misquote Matthew five all the time of, if you've already looked upon someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart, you should gouge out your eye and when we go overboard with leaning, you know, pushing them too far to the right, what we create is the feeling of, well, I'm already impure. So why should I bother creating a high standard? Yeah. That it's this all or nothing principle of either Mm -hmm. you're totally pure on your wedding day or you're not. So why bother? You're already damaged goods. Mm. It breaks my heart to hear how many women say that on the day that they walk down the aisle at their wedding, they already felt impure, already felt like damaged goods. And maybe they didn't even have, maybe they hadn't even been totally sexually active. It's just, they had had those thoughts or they had had those feelings or they had pushed the envelope. I think that that's, we have to accept that that's a natural part of of dating and forming bonds with the person that we wind up marrying is that we're going to have those sexual thoughts and feelings. And we might even explore in ways that we find exciting and titillating, but we need to be able to exercise that self-control to rein that in, to not let it control us, for us to be able to control our feelings rather than letting them control us. But mm-hmm. the word that I prefer over purity is just integrity. Right, I'm just, just going to say that, right. Integrity. Yeah, have a moral compass that you know when you feel as if you're going in the right direction and you know when you ventured off base that mm-hmm. the relationship feels as if it's taking, it's costing you uh, self-esteem, that it's creating more pressure for you than you want to feel, to instill in our young people that they have the strength to take a step back and say, I feel like it's becoming too sexual too fast. That's a really great. And I think that in fact, that's a compliment to pay to your partner to say, I like you. I think that we have potential here for a long term, maybe even lifetime relationship. But because I believe that, I don't want it to become too sexual too fast because that destroys relationships quick. And so just to teach them to have the self-esteem to tap on the brakes or to slam on the brakes. Right. We're not taking away their sex drive. We're not saying that they shouldn't be having these thoughts and feelings. We're just teaching them to exercise control and to not let things get out of, out of hand faster than they want it to, to pace themselves for lack of a better word, pace themselves. Right. Well, integrity, I do love this, this term, because like you're saying, purity just really does. And there is like a a renewed integrity that a lot of women, you know, they have a past, but then that with their new partner, their new person that they're hoping to, to love and build a life together, they make a new commitment of, 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 you know, abstinence for marriage, and that it is a renewed um, opportunity to say yes and amen to a partner and build their mm-hmm. life together. So really they are, you know, just they're, they're working towards a beautiful relationship. So we're talking about, you know, a, a, 
the perfect world here, but our, our kids and our daughters are watching The Bachelorette, The Kardashians. Um, sexuality is just everywhere. I also have a 17-year-old son. Um, just how, how do we how do we communicate with them in, in, in the best way that they know that this is a fantasy world? I know they know that, but somehow mm -hmm. it creates this world of, I wish I could capture this. I wish I could be a part of this. It, it's tantalizing. It, it's drawing them. And, and, and this is where I right. think where moms are at right now, because we've got to, we got to talk about this with our kids. This is a fantasy. Absolutely. This is fake. Absolutely. And the time to talk about it isn't waiting until they're 15, 16, 17 years old. The time to start talking about healthy sexuality and, and what image we want to portray to the world and what value people assign to that is really, well, I heard Dr. Dobson when my daughter was about to start kindergarten. And what he said was, before your children start public schools, they need a lens through which to view healthy sexuality. They deserve to know the truth about where babies come from, because when they are in that classroom or on that playground, they're going to hear all kinds of cockamamie stories. And sure enough, my daughter came home from first grade with things that made my toenails curl that she'd heard on the playground, but we had already opened this line of communication before she even started kindergarten. So she was able to unpack with me what she had heard. So definitely start early. But one of the conversations that I think is vitally important, and this is a conversation you can, you can have with any young person. Like I was a youth pastor, and I just remember frequently having these conversations with some of the teenagers in my youth group. There are lots of things out there that are sexy but they may not be beautiful. That when you look at the purpose for which that person is putting themselves out there and wearing that or saying those things or, or moving their body in that way, if the idea is to taunt and tantalize and create a desire in people that have no business desiring them because mm -hmm. she doesn't belong to them, that may appear sexy, but is that beautiful? Because mm. I think that that every man would say that they, that sure, they want a, a woman who's sexy, but they also want a woman who is beautiful. And I, I think this. that when, when we exude both inner and outer beauty, that is sexy. We don't have to stoop to the levels that the world tries to teach women to go to because that may be sexy in some people's eyes, but more often than not, it's not beautiful in the majority of people's eyes. Okay. So striving for beauty over sexiness, that's a package deal. He will see her as sexy simply because her beauty will draw him in. And when I say beauty, I don't just mean the Ulta cosmetics and the hair fix the right way. And what I mean is how you interact with people, how you treat people, how you teach people how to treat you. Mm -hmm. uh, the heart I, I'm just soul a really, of a person. Yes, the character, the integrity, yeah. the personality, the warmth, uh, the charisma. One of the things that I urge, urge, urge parents to do from a very early age is limit how much screen time your kids have. Because if this is the stance that they, you know, that they have the vast majority of the time, if they're just constantly staring at their cell phones, they're not making eye contact with the, with their friends and with the people that they really want to cultivate relationships with teach them how to be great conversationalists 
pull questions off of the internet and, and create those dinner table conversations or those car ride conversations. Teach your children how to be great conversationalists because it's through that eye contact and that conversation that they make their, their partner, their boyfriend, their girlfriend feel special and seen and heard and loved and cherished and celebrated. These are the ingredients for healthy relationships, not a perfect size two or the right outfit because I think that it's safe to say that all of us have seen that girl where she is strikingly beautiful and has the right outfit and has the right look, but she can't even look at you in the eye or she doesn't right. know how to talk to you with confidence. And it's just not beautiful. It's sexy, right. but it's not beautiful. That's right. So now you talked about before kindergarten, before going to public school and some of our moms that are watching do public school, many of them homeschool, some of them go to private, right? Um, as we go down this road, now let's just say that someone has uh, eight to twelve year old, right? That preteen age; um, those are challenging. So curious. Years. Let's talk Such about that. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that yeah. age group? Because I think that's junior high is tough. Junior high is very tough, and I, I think that the mistake that we make is that I mean, for example, I just had my niece for a week, and she's eleven. We look at this person. And we assume that because they have, because they haven't developed breasts or hips yet, because they still are somewhat childlike in their mannerisms or their, or their, their ways of communicating, we assume that, oh, it's too early to be talking to them about that stuff. Mm -hmm. The time to talk to children is before they are molded and shaped by the world. Uh, right. The time to talk to them is when their brains are most curious and five to eight is a very curious stage about all things in general, but eight to 12 is the stage that they become most curious about sex, about their bodies, about other who people's bodies, right. uh, who they are, how this whole thing works. And I would say that if you have not open lines of communication by the time they are 12, you can probably expect that they're never going to be comfortable talking to you about any of this. If you hmm. wait until they start dating, you may as well ask them questions. They have already sought out answers, again, from the internet, from the media, from peers, Instagram. I mean, just, that's where they're going to get it from. Right. And they need to have that, that communication with you. They need to have a relationship with you such that you have not shied away from any topic whatsoever. So just asking, what are the things that you're hearing your, your friends talk about? What are some hmm. of the things that you've heard on you know some of the i mean our kids are listening to podcasts for crying out loud i mean they're 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 engaging in things that right. we associate with adulthood but th they're curious and when they learn that addison ray or whoever you know has some sort of something or other on our instagram or a podcast or it, they plug in so right. you better make sure that they're comfortable plugging into you first and foremost so if you don't know where to start Yes. I would highly recommend that you get your hands on the book, Preparing Your Daughter for Every Woman's Battle, which is designed, yes. it, it's split into two different books. The first half is for you to read, just to prepare you for these conversations that most likely your parents didn't have with you. And then the second half of the book is designed for you to read with your eight to 13 year old daughter. And then there's Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle as well by Fred Stoker and Steve Arterburn. We did that with um, our son can, too. Very good. If you can open up those lines of communication about how to treat other people, how to expect them to treat you, 
that's a good, strong foundation for them to build on as they grow and, and prepare more and more to fly the nest. Ultimately, the goal is that by the time they do fly the nest and head off to college, they know the purpose of college and education and life. They're not the kid who has the lampshade on their head and drank half the keg and winds up in the emergency room or slip something in a girl's drink so that he can have her way with her and she'll have no recollection of it. Like we just don't want to send irresponsible children in adult bodies out into the world to conduct themselves in some very scary and dangerous ways in college. Before we leave this topic here, I just want to mention, would you tell us your website so the moms can go ahead and get your books there? Yes, it's shannonetheridge.com. Etheridge is E-T-H-R-I-D-G-E. And also while they're on the website, Debbie, I hope that they will look into uh, the opportunity to attend one of my four-day workshops. Sure. So oftentimes women will come to the workshop not because she has tons and tons of sexual or emotional baggage necessarily, but because she realizes that she has never had these conversations with anyone. Mm -hmm. And before they feel equipped to have those conversations with their children, they just want to plug in and spend four days with me and a group of other women developing a vocabulary, um, cleansing the lens through which she looks at all things sexual. Uh, developing a repertoire that she can, you know, basically tools in her tool belt that she can unpack with her children. And then mm -hmm. oftentimes what will happen is I've been doing these for about 12 years now. What will sometimes happen is that because that mom and daughter had a more open communication style about the sexual arena, because the mom chose to attend a workshop early on, when that girl becomes 18, 19, 20 years old, is off at college, and some things happen to her, she'll either create um, an opportunity for she and I to, her daughter and I to talk one-on-one, -on -one, or she will pay for her daughter to come and attend a workshop. Because wow. if we can heal some of these wounds early in our life and integrate them into our life experiences and not let them erode our self-esteem, look at them as things that happen to us, as this is what I experience, this is not who I am then it doesn't weigh them down so heavily in marriage and motherhood later on. Right. So I highly recommend that they click on the workshops link to learn more about women at the well workshops or that they click on the coaching link. Oftentimes mom asks me how, how young does my, or how old does my daughter have to be before I can connect her with you for coaching? I would say, well, my youngest client has been nine years old when mm. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds are acting out sexually. That is not too young to connect them with a counselor who can help them make sense of why, why they're feeling drawn in this direction or why they're looking at pornography at such a young age or whatever. As far as the workshops go, I just require women to be a minimum of 17. And what's really blown my mind, Debbie, is that these 17 and 18 and 19 year old girls are often the ones by the end of the workshop teaching some of the older women what they never learned about sexuality because the media has taught them so much. So sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes that's not such a good thing, but to get eight to 10 women together for a four day span of time with the goal being healthy, sexual integrity being the, the result, the end all result. It is just amazing. The intergenerational education that happens and they, and that young women leave here with a sense of, this doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. It shouldn't be guilt-inducing or shame-inducing. 
do I need to correct my course? Do I need to look at my moral compass and make sure that my actions are lining up with my values? Perhaps, but they will at least see that more clearly as a result of being in community with other women who are striving for the same goals. And I think too, as we listen to you, we're understanding the fact that sexuality in our children is obviously happening and happened to us. It's going to happen to them. It's funny as a parent, right? You kind of get removed and you go, well, this isn't going to happen to them. I'm going to protect them. You know, I'm going to take care of everything. It's not going to affect them, but it is. And the world, well, and the world is, is, is running after our kids with horrible messages and, and gendered confusion and all they know that eight to 12 is a very important age to get these kids confused and sexually right. active and destroying their whole entire future. The world knows that. Right. So we as moms, and that's why I loved your book. That's why I love your mission. We've got to be on the forefront. We've got to be ahead of the game. We cannot let yes. the world define our children. They're not setting the stage. They are not the ones that are educating them. We as moms have got to be educating them, talking them through all these principles. Well, and just to give you kind of a little nudge in that direction, remember that these children don't come into the world with a clamoring for media or, or even popularity among their peers. That's something that comes later, mm. but they do come into the world with a craving for connection and bonding. And the right. person that they feel that with most is their mom. And that eventually gravitates toward dad and siblings. But mom, 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 wake up. You do hold the most power in your child's life. And I also want to say that there's a big, big difference between ignorance and innocence. Parents so often mistakenly assume that the way to keep my child innocent is to keep them ignorant of all things sexual. I would say the opposite is true. It certainly didn't work for my parents and how I was raised. I was ignorant as far as, you know, not hearing anything from them, but I was far from innocent because of the other things that I picked up along the way in the absence. So just know that if there's an, if there is a void of communication around sexuality in the home, they will find a way to fill that void. And it, once they have done that outside of their relationship with you, I'm not going to say that you can never recover it, but I will say that it's going to be a lot harder than if you just establish that relationship from the very early stages. When I explained to my daughter where babies come from in language that she could understand at five years old, that, uh, you know how sometimes you like to have mommy mm -hmm. all to yourself and sometimes you like to have daddy all to yourself. Well, sometimes mommies and daddies like to have each other all to themselves. And sometimes the way that they play is behind a closed door because it, it's a private thing and they use the private parts of their bodies to get really, really close and to, to snuggle and be alone together. And that when they get so close uh, that there's a, there's, you know, when, when daddy's private parts get so close to mommy's private parts, it actually goes inside and it can plant a seed that grows into a baby. And that's how you were conceived and that's how your baby brother was conceived. So when they come home hearing the stork stories and the swallowing the watermelon seed stories and all that kind of stuff, they know that that is just a bunch of BS. Pardon the, the, the French acronym there. <laughs> but you need to have that under that, that child needs to have that understanding that if I hear something, I can always come and say, this is what I heard. That's not right. Is it mommy? That's not true. Is it mommy? That's exactly the relationship that you want to have with them.
but they're never going to feel that freedom until you step out first. Don't wait for them to ask questions. You be the leader on this. I was going to ask you for closing advice, but you wrapped it up really well there. And again, I'm just coming back on, on your previous thought as well, that moms, you are the greatest influencer in your home mm. with your daughter, with your sons, dads, same, but different. Moms have a special place in the home where they can discuss and they just understand the heart of the child in a different way. So I'm saying yes and amen to, to your advice. Anything else you want to mention, Shannon, before we leave? Thanks for asking, Debbie. I do want to just slip this one thing in that I frequently share with audiences. Uh, and I don't know, you know, I, I can't assume that everyone listening necessarily ascribes to a Christian paradigm. But for those who do, I just want to remind you that when Christ died on that cross, he didn't say, forgive them for their sins, except for the sexual ones. That's are too big. I'm not dying for those. Hmm. Like we can't, we can't treat sexuality as a separate category that, you know, I mean, do we, do we beat ourselves up and feel horrible about the, the white lie that we told when we were eight years old or about the pencil that we took from somebody's desk when we were in the second grade? Like, we don't let those things define us. We just know that those are things that we did. We have to look at our sexual misdeeds in the same light or else we're going to carry that guilt and that shame and that anxiety into marriage and it's going to trickle down onto our kids. We have to let go of the guilt and the shame and the inhibition. One of the things that I love to do is a calculator exercise. I have women calculate the number of hours or I'm sorry, the number of minutes that they have been alive on this planet. And then to calculate the number of minutes that you truly regret because you did something outside of your moral compass. And then mm. to divide those numbers and it comes up with a percentage and it usually is like 0.0000185%. And I'm like, are you really going to judge your whole life based on that 0.0000185%? Or can you give yourself credit where credit is due that you try to be a good moral person with sexual integrity? Doesn't mean that you've been perfect at it, but it's, it's your aim. It's your goal. You can hold your children to the same standard and teach them that if you slip up, if you mess up, it's okay. Just again, correct that moral compass and continue to strive being a person of sexual and emotional integrity. Right. Cause none of us are perfect. I love that. You know, we've addressed that wholeheartedly in this, in this discussion and that with Christ, right. We are, we, we there's all things are forgiven. You know, we yes. have the greatest savior oh. that we can go to and Lord, you know, renew us, um, you know, forgive us and we move on. Cause if, like you say, if we stay, if we keep looking backwards, we'll never go forwards. So true. Beautifully said, Debbie. All right. I'm trying to keep up with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We so appreciate you stopping by. And again, um, please check out uh, the books that uh, Shannon referred to here. And we have that in our podcast because they are both um, all of she is quite the, I mean, you, you have, how many books do you have on your, on your website? You have quite 22. a few. 22. How many? 22. 22. I've been a busy girl. <laughs> you have been a busy girl. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the message you. you share. Um, our daughters and our sons and, and why, and as wives and women, we all need to be talking about this because like you said, this is a part of us. So thank you, my friend. You're Appreciate so welcome, it. Debbie. God bless all you right. and all the work that you guys are doing. Right. Thanks. Well, special thanks to Shannon for her advice on helping teens and adults talk about sexuality and integrity. Um, 
we pray for you moms because uh, we want to keep our girls safe and we want to help them value themselves and save their hearts and their bodies for the for the man God has intended for them. Um, so think about this, talk through this with them, get the books. Um, we need to be the ones that carry the message because we are the greatest influencers. And we do pray for God's wisdom and protection for our kids. All right, well, before we officially close, I'd like to remind you to visit our website at momsforamerica.us. Again, that's momsforamerica.us. Check out all our amazing resources, events, and programs like our cottage meetings. Again, you've probably heard me talk about the cottage meetings before. If you haven't checked them out, please do. There are 12 lessons on America's heritage and the principles of liberty. This series will help you raise strong children and impact your home and community for freedom. We also want to invite you to sign up for our weekly newsletter uh, to get educated on issues that relate to you as a mom and help you engage with other moms all across the country. We believe that liberty begins at home and that you moms, you are the heartbeat of America and your home. Subscribe to our podcast, share and like and friends. Please share this with your mama friends today. We know what Shannon shared today was amazing. Um, you know, we're also doing really well on, on the podcast network. So we are on all of the formats uh, where you can go ahead and get podcasts in general. So join us next week for another inspiring discussion. And thank you for joining us. And let's keep changing our world one home at a time. God bless.